Hello, and welcome to another Kingery Commentary. This is the director, Perry Whittle, and uh, we are in the Pendant Director Minds interview room with another commentary. On my right, that's stage left, camera left, and microphone straight down the middle, is Alicia Lane Matheson, the writer of this episode. And to my right is a sleeping cat. <laughs> it's good to be here, Perry. <laughs> welcome. So this is uh, episode two, uh, I'm sorry, season two, episode eight, and the title of this episode is Doppelganger, and that's, that's a spooky German word meaning a ghostly double, Yes. according to my research. Yes, and uh, I actually had to do a little fighting for that title, because um, some people were like, well, I don't know if that works, or... Uh, they, they weren't quite sure if it, if it fit the feel of the episode, but um, I, I think the episode has a lot to do with duality, and so I think a ghostly double is kind of apropos. Right. Well, we'll just have to listen to this episode and see if there are any ghostly doubles who pop up. Um, so right now, we're listening to the previously from all the previous episodes, and the background music is by David Alexander McDonald, and it's a song called Machines of Malfeasance. I really like how you put together the previously. I think oh. it, it really kind of whets the appetite for the episode. Oh, thank you. I've, um, unfortunately, I have no memory of what it was I put in there, but um, anyway... <laughs> It was so long ago. Well, see, I just I listened to the episode before uh, we did this commentary, so I could be like uh, actually commentating instead of listening to the episode. Uh huh. <laughs> did you discover that this was uh, this episode was actually not about ghostly doubles, but was actually about echoes and wet footsteps? That that was that was my impression of it. But then you know I, I'm the person finding the sound effect, so. Uh, Possibly that that colored my impression of it. I, I know I presented you with a few directorial challenges with the script, so I hope you're not like all bad at me. <laughs> no, not at all. So let's see. We have um, more lovely David Alexander McDonald music behind this scene between uh, Hooks and Madeline Gray, which is actually the two of us. That's the two of us. What the shock! So this uh, this song is called "Dying Dreams," and I thought it was. Um, uh, blurbly and kind of a little bit desolate, which um, to me was appropriate for the closed-down sparkle pool. Well, what I like about background music is that a good piece of background music, you hardly notice that it's there. It's just so integral to the scene, you don't really realize it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that went off really well with this particular scene. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I was starting to say in my commentary on the previous episode that I, as a director, I spend a lot of time worrying about the transitions, and then when I listen to the episode, I get caught up in it, and I don't notice them at all. They're just gone. So um, it's it's very interesting. Now, as a writer in this scene, you've made Hooks kind of dumb and scattered. But now, as an actress, a couple episodes ago, you were talking about how smart Hooks is, how he graduated top of his class. Uh, would you like to comment on this disparity? Yes, 
as a matter of fact, I would. Well, um, Hooks is a very smart guy. He could have had any job he wanted after uh, he left his other one. But um, in this scene, he's acting very scattered and kind of, uh, you know, I, I want to say goofy, because he's giving false information to Madeline, and that makes him very nervous. So, um... The result of that nerve, in my mind, would kind of make him kind of scatterbrained. And um, so that I tried to pull that off there, and I know that you do a very good job playing hooks. And you, you'd be able to do that very well, even with hardly any prompting from me in the script. And I liked... Um I, when Hook says uh, that the problem was bad planning, mm -hmm. I tried to give that a sort of special triumphant or obvious tone of voice because I think that for Hooks, this came to me when I was reading that in the script, I think that for Hooks, every problem essentially boils down to a problem of bad planning. Right. <laughs> so that was just my take on, on Hooks. So like... Anytime anybody asks him what's the problem, he would just say, bad planning. Yeah, bad planning. And oh my gosh, I loved your delivery on uh, when the shit hits the fan. <laughs> when you like, you like whispered the bad word, like, oh no. <laughs> yes, well, in some of the early... Uh, Episodes where Hooks was supposed to like ad lib some some swearing or something, and I said "gosh" and "golly" or something like that, and and and, and Jeffrey said that he really liked that, and so I just think that that's what that's that's Hooks. He's he's a bit of a prude, I, you know. And and you know, then Madeline says, "Oh, I could just kiss you," and he's like, "Ah, you know, that's a little too much for him." So I picture Hooks is a very old-fashioned type guy. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to say about this particular scene, uh, I had the most trouble writing this particular scene because I had no idea what misinformation Hooks was going to give Maddie. Um, and I asked Jeffrey, I'm like, it doesn't say in the outline, what do I make up? He's like, it doesn't matter, it's a MacGuffin. You just, you know, it's up to you to make something up. It just has to be plausible as you would want to buy it. And I went and I talked to Cap Pride, I'm like, Jeffrey's not helping. <laughs> Calm down, you can handle this. And I talked to Renee, and we, we she actually helped me brainstorm. We went over a couple of things of information that uh, she could he could give her because I don't know anything about mafia. I don't know anything about casinos. <laughs> it was really tough for me to write this scene. Now, I liked your your writing, uh, Tommy Arkell, played by Pete Milan, and um, was, who we just heard on the phone talking to Hooks, and now we've got um, April Sadowski as Belly, but I wanted to say that about the Tommy and Hooks scene, I thought that that was nice writing and very nice psychology, because uh, Tommy, you know, to get Hooks to do these things... He flatters Hooks. He says that he's relying on him, and, and that's just a way of him getting Hooks to do what he wants. And also, when Tommy suggests that it was all Hooks' idea, uh, when Hooks indicates that it's actually Tommy's idea, it's just I thought that was like Tommy must have this habitual denial that he ever does anything, you know, as because of his job. Um, so I thought that that was part of that. Well, it's uh, a little bit that, a little bit of the uh, the psychology, as you mentioned, but it's also Tommy would probably gave the suggestion to Hooks, not thinking that Hooks might do it. 
like maybe Hooks will uh. pick something else up. But Hooks, you know, he goes through with it because he's loyal to his boss. Yeah, and and imagine he might be smart, but imagination is maybe not his uh, forte. <laughs> right. And uh, oh, I loved April's portrayal as Belly, and and oh, my favorite line in this scene is what is when you go Belly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laugh out loud every single time. Yes, it just seemed it just seemed right. I was just trying to imagine, you know, shouting at somebody through the door or something. Yeah, oh. I, I don't want April to take this the wrong way, but it, it sounded like you were calling a pig. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're not a pig, April. I love you. <laughs> now we've got. Um, Andrew Eckhart playing Roberts waking up in the closed down soul and I've said in previous commentaries that I wished I could share multiple performances with the listeners and so here I get a chance I use different performances that Andrew gave us and added echo effects and you know placed them around and I was sort of basing that on the old time radio effect uh, of echo used to indicate flashbacks and being drugged and losing consciousness and stuff like that. Oh, I, I think it was brilliant—a a brilliant way to do the the scene. That I don't think anybody else would have uh, taken that interpretation. And so, bravo to you, Perry. Yeah. Well, I—it sort of came about as kind of a happy accident. I was doing the initial mixing, and I stopped in the middle of a scene before I decided which performance to use and I had them on different tracks in my audio editing program and then I, I stopped in the middle of the scene and I came back to it later and was listening to remind myself what was going on and where I was and how it was all developing and I figured out that I liked having both performances together so I had fun with that Tommy, when this was his office, had his radio on all the time. Now it's Shepard's office, and so he's got the radio on all the time. And but it's but it's playing this religious radio show rather than music. So we got um, Elizabeth Rast as the mover; she's in the foreground. We got uh, Jovian Lab as Adam Shepard. Pete Mylan again as Tommy Arkell, and here's Mark Zarakor as Fix. Everybody's great, but I also got to mention Ara Pelodi on the radio. You had this uh, sound effect cue in the script that said radio preacher or something like that. Yeah, and I wanted more than just like a garbled voice or some some watered down hymns or something. I, I wanted some content, something that people could return to and get more out of with repeated listenings. So I asked Ara Pelodi if she would improvise some preaching. Well, I think Ara did a great job, but then she always does. <laughs> yes. And, and I suggested that we know that Shepard is a bad man, right? Because, because Asa has told us that, and Asa is kind of the Greek chorus of the show. Um, so probably the preacher he listens to will be corrupt. Financially corrupt, sexually corrupt, theologically corrupt. And I just love it that we start off with this, with this part of the rant, can Jesus really love the sinner? And, and her answer, if you listen closely enough, is no. And that's just, I just think that's just like the most corrupt kind of Christianity. It's just, it's just amazing. So keep listening to the Kingery and you'll hear more from this preacher. She's, she's got a lot more to say. 
Okay, um, I'm going to step away from the mic for just two seconds. i got to take something out of the oven, so uh, go solo for a little bit here. Okay, all right. Alicia is going to miss her re-entrance into the episode. She comes in again. Um, I think in this scene, I think of her as a comic relief. The script called for a hazmat suit, and um, so I went searching in my sound effects library for a hazmat suit. Couldn't find anything. So I put together some uh, mud footsteps, footsteps in mud, and creaking leather, uh, pitch shifted up so that it would sound maybe a little bit less leathery and more plasticky, and then a filter on the voice to put her in a hazmat suit. And Mark Zaracor, I was talking about your hazmat suit, and and, uh, I was just starting to say that Mark Zaracor, as Fix, provided lots of gagging sounds, and I loved them all, and I wanted to use them all, so I just, you know, you had them listed a couple times in the script, you know, he's gagging here, he's gagging there, and I just sprinkled them throughout the scene, wherever anybody pauses for a second or or when uh, Madeline mentions the vile sewers or something, there's, there's the sound of Fix gagging again. I just thought that it would be great to put it in there because, uh, and Renee and I kind of uh, talked about this too, because um, Fix is such a tough guy and he thinks that everybody's so beneath him and he can handle anything. Maddie comes in smelling like a sewer and all of a sudden he's like, <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, we we actually just thought it would be really funny to have her come in in a in a hazmat suit. So I apologize if it was tough figuring that out sound effect wise. There there were no hazmat suit sound effects. That was what I was complaining about while you were gone. <laughs> oh, I thought it would just be hilarious to have her stomping in in that big old biohazard suit. Yes. Yes. I hope that the came across. I think it was good. I I laugh every time I hear the muddy footsteps. Because, you know, I mean, you just know she's just tracking this stuff all around the everywhere. Well, she's a hothead, you know, so she's she's going to follow that trail no matter where it leads. Now, okay, so who's in this scene? we got Catherine Pride as Tithia. We've got Jane Parrish as Regina. We got um, <laughs> Robin that. Carlyle as the woman. I think Adam um, Carl Glassmeyer as Asa. Thanks, everybody. Oh, and Lexi Rawl as Debbie. And thanks, everybody. Wonderful jobs, everyone. Um, I thought this was this was the scene, the, the couple of scenes that I had the hardest time with because there were all these people, and I was trying to move people around in the stereo field to give the impression that there was movement, and there's lots of walking around and lots of crisscrossing footsteps, and I'm not sure how well it's it is if people can tell that I was trying to have Tithia walk and talk with people, like almost chase people, trying to get them to listen to her and trying to show them things and stuff. And I'm just not sure if that comes across. But I think you did a great job. I thought it came across perfectly. Oh, good, good. And a lot of that, of course, is uh, Cat Pride's uh, portrayal as Tithia. Yes. I think she's just brilliant, and I could hear her in my head as I was typing out her lines. That's great. Uh, I, I just love her delivery on it. But no, it, yeah, you're walking away. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. She's so great. Alicia, how many Kingery episodes have you written? This is the first one. Wow. Yeah, and see, um, I actually, uh, someone in the Kingery writing team had to sit down. Uh, I believe it was Teresa. She was just a little too busy. So Jeffrey asked me if I would come in and, and take over Teresa's spot. And Teresa had already written one episode this season, so I got this one. And uh, I just happened to um, co-write with Seth on episode uh, 11 of this season because he had some time constraints as well. Yeah. Maybe I am just a little disordered. Oh, interesting. Yes, sweetheart. So this is my first script, but you'll be hearing me again on uh, season two, episode 11. Cool. So now you talk about... um, being able to hear Tithia's performances, Cat uh, Pride's performances as Tithia when you were writing. Is there anything else that ca- came out exactly as you imagined it when you wrote it? Hearing it in, in my head as opposed to the actual episode and how it Yeah, came. yeah. Um, the ending scene with Belly, just, it, it was like straight out of my head. It was perfect. Cool, cool. And anything that came out vastly different from how you imagined it, or you know, and the uh, the Robert scene, definitely. Mm-hmm. I I love what you did with it. It just I would never have thought of something like that. It's so brilliant. Yeah. Well, great, cool. <laughs> so now we've got oh now we've got Lexi Rawl as Debbie humming "Beautiful Dreamer." Yes. That's very nice. <laughs> this is actually a. Bet V, as we like to say. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Betty inside Debbie's body. So we use the first part of the person who's inside and the last part of, of the name of the person whose body it is. And I really like the writing when uh, Bet V tries to cover that she doesn't know Tithia. I, 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 I love the writing and I love the performance on uh, Why don't you go and play? You know, to the to this girl who's worked for the mob boss Tommy Arkell. That's, that's really great. Isn't Tiffy supposed to be like 15 or 16? I think something like that. Yeah. And she's like telling this 15 teenager, "You want to go and play?" Yeah. Right. How old do you think I am? That's right. I don't. When um, Regina pulls Devi into the alley to have this this heart to heart that they're having right now. Uh, every time a movie or a TV show goes into an alley, there's a standard cat yowl and garbage can crash. And I, I went looking for that. I couldn't find it. I couldn't. Yeah, so I tried to approximate it with a, um, a, a cat yowl and a, a baby jaguar scream. I said, put those things together and a, and a dumpster or something. But if anybody listening to this knows where I can get the standard traditional top-of-the-line alley cat yell, please let me know. I had a similar problem with an episode of Vegas. I was looking for a raccoon hiss. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. I, that's, that's, uh, yeah, no, I, well, you have to, yeah, you have to buy the really expensive specialty, um, sound effects libraries where they have whole CDs full of raccoons hissing and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, they've got the the angry ones and the happy ones and the wry ones and the ironic ones and, you know, all kinds of different... Yeah, right, right. 
And angry, angry, but elderly raccoon, you know. Yeah. yeah. All, all kinds of accents and dialects and everything. Oh, man. So that was April Sadowski again. And I, I really liked uh, the performance and the writing on Wakey Wakey. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jake. <laughs> and so, I, so on this one, this again, this was Wet Footsteps and Echoes, um, just like the first scene. And I was looking for wet footstep sounds. And when I found footsteps in water, the shallowest water sounded like it was about ankle deep. So I, I knew that that wasn't going to be right for this boiler that had flooded. wasn't the boiler, though. It was, she was stepping in and Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, either way, it, was, it wasn't going to be ankle deep. So, but, so those things were not actually footsteps at all. But I thought it worked. I thought it sounded like sneakers in something wet and kind of, kind of awful. Oh yeah, this that, this scene with Belly at the end it actually wasn't in the outline. I added it in myself, and Jeffrey was like, "It's good. See, you can deviate from the outline. It's okay." Cool. <laughs> so I, I really am proud of proud of that. Thank April for her performance. Yeah. Thanks thanks to everybody for their performance, everybody who contributed to this episode. And I hear the theme music, so it's time for us to go. That went really fast. It sure did. I, I don't write long. I'm not, not Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Alicia. And goodbye, everybody. See you next month. See you later. Bye now.